0: Injured in a car accident, we cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports loving ladies Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers on 1010XL.
1: All right, ladies, I have just one question for you. Did Helmets and Heels ruin Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers for life? (laughs) Did this show put an end to those careers? Because we've already joked about how I had a Mm. proclamation that Derek Carr would be terrible and the Raiders didn't make the postseason. And now Aaron Rodgers has to go into isolation for four (laughs) days, and Taylor is clearly an anti-Aaron Rodgers person that has been for a long time. I think the world is finally realizing what Taylor has known all along. He's crazy. (laughs) Uh, Mia, did you ruin anyone? Would you like to join the party?
2: Um... Feel like I definitely did at some point or another. Um, those individuals at Ithaca College will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Um, no, not this season. Um, okay. Uh, the, we we've waved a white flag to General Manager Trent Bulky, so that that coup was. Uh, that would have been a year. Yes, ago. that one was a it year was ago. Although ahead. at the players' media day yesterday, someone was like, "Hey, I remember this time last year, you like made some joke or something funny on Twitter. What was it?" And I said, "February 2022. Uh, I was probably about Trent Bulky, but we have since waved a white flag." Um so yeah, no, I don't think I've ruined anybody's career quite like you guys have, but I have I have appreciated the other hashtag content of the non Super Bowl NFL cycle today, and that is Jim Ursay. I do think we broke him. And so that's also very exciting that we can lead off tonight's show with.
3: Yeah. I wish it didn't take like 17 years for me to ruin Roger's career, but I'll <laughs> Yeah, before have <laughs> been good, but I mean,
1: only one Super Bowl.
3: He's not That's going true. to yeah. assume
1: that he doesn't win with. anymore. And JJ's uh, training, so he's not at the mic right now, but I wonder if he can just not if he ruined Kevin Steele, because Kevin Steele was a huge... Uh, he loves he was at, Kevin Steele. He does, but now he's gone, so... Could it could be ruined opposite. him as the Miami uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, he said not really. All right, uh, I want to get into – or you want to get into the Jim Irsay? Yeah, we, we got to begin Chiefs with that. Singles, we got to begin with
2: that, yeah. Um, in case you missed it, folks, a little less than an hour ago, um, Jim Irsay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, who is very active online, who has also been very active in the coaching search game, tweeted the following message, and we're going to break this down. Let me just get the full tweet out there, though, because – Sure. Fascinating. <laughs> we said, comma – no space, as an organization, in parentheses, Colts, football emoji. The coaching search would be a open-minded and a thorough process, dot, dot, dot. And the final decision would be strictly based on, comma, no space, what is best for our franchise's success and best for our fans of, comma, of Colts Nation. Football emoji, thumbs up, (laughs) dot, 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 dot. Final decision coming in days, not hours, football emoji, period.
1: He actually, the third time, he didn't even get the ellipsis, which is the three dots. He just did too. I think he might have been running out of characters. Maybe that's why he had no spaces. <laughs> I found it hilarious that he had to say the Colts, like the organization, the Colts. Shouldn't you just say, we the Colts said, or yeah. we as the Colts said? But either way, I, the interesting part, we're Colts fans. is—I is, I'm not tuned into mm-hmm. Colts Nation like I am Jaguars Nation or whatever they, they want to call themselves were they clamoring
3: for a new coach within hours is that why he's responding like this and I don't know as I was going through the responses first of all obviously there's (laughs) there's 337 (laughs) responses there's a lot of ones saying thanks for clarifying that you were talking about the Colts (laughs) right we weren't sure um but also what seemed to be a lot of Colts fans I could tell because they would do their little like hashtag to do the little Colt thing um but a lot of them were like thanks for clarifying like in what looked like serious tone, it through as what you can see on Twitter looked like they were like, oh, thanks for like clarifying this. We've really been wondering, blah blah. So I don't know if there was some rumor maybe at some point where they were saying like they'll have the guy. You'll find out in the next uh, couple okay. hours, and so I'm thinking maybe something like that a rumor started and he was just being generous and I was like, I'll clarify
2: myself (laughs) with
3: football emojis. Be very specific (laughs) about which
2: organization he is talking about. I would say that his video from
1: that one night at dinner, was that here in Jacksonville?
2: it was. Yeah,
1: that is the
2: moment that I realized he... The Jaguars broke him, speaking of things that have been broken.
1: He is a guy who... I'm not sure all of the marbles are where they're supposed to be or yeah. whatever that saying is, right? Like, he just seems like he is on the crazy train. Yes. And I'm not <laughs> sure if it's medication or if it's just drugs losing or
2: drugs or, right,
1: all of the above. It's um, certainly
2: when he's in Jacksonville. It's certainly the Jacksonville Jaguars and whatever dead bodies for the sure. Colts buried in Colt fever back in the 80s because obviously they haven't won here in Jacksonville since 2013. Um, and, of course, he had his notorious tarmac video after Mm -hmm. the loss at the end of the 2021 (laughs) season. And then he had the gummy dessert dancing caricatures prior to the loss this past September. Yeah.
1: Uh, We are thankful for Shud Khan. We are thankful for Doug Peterson. We are thankful for Trevor Lawrence. Uh,
2: I say it all the time. And we can kind of bring this crazy Jim Ursay topic, number one, to people that Helmets and Heels has broken in the past years. Um, But we also can bring it, of course, to the fact that not only do the Colts need a head coach, Lauren and Taylor, they also need a quarterback. While Matt Ryan is under contract, the assumption is they will be using that fourth overall pick if not trading up for some quarterback in this class and who it is remains to be seen. And as the clock keeps ticking and you don't have your coach in place, how do you ensure yeah. that you and everybody else involved are on the same page? Well, Jim Mersey says that they've done a thorough search. That's why.
1: Yeah, it, it, that is a really interesting question perspective is, I mean, you're now about a month, a little away, a little over a month away from free agency, Mm -hmm. and so if it's not Matt Ryan, are you trying to get one of those other quarterbacks? Yes, we're all thinking they're going to draft someone, Mm -hmm. Uh, but is there potentially a free agent quarterback that becomes available? Once Matt Ryan was doing TV, and I forget which game it was now, but he was one of those analysts, I was like, his career's done, right? Like, you can't do TV as a quarterback, analyzing games as a commentator and everything, and then go back and play. Like, it just seems like his... His days are done. Yeah. But I'm not
3: sad. I think he recently commented on it saying kind of like, I think I have a lot of football left. And I was like, where? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not sure I've That's seen Nick it. Nick Foles recently.
1: said, too. <laughs> yeah. And again, the Jaguars broke him, albeit in a different way. All right. I want to get it to a little Chiefs-Eagles talk since we have made it to Super Bowl week. Uh, Last week, by the way, we all talked about how the Pro Bowl we weren't interested. Did either of y'all watch any of it? Hardly any. Yeah. Okay. That was also because I was
2: in Orlando for the Springsteen concert, which we will
1: certainly get to that a little bit. Uh, This tweet from Field Yates I found fascinating. Actually, both of these tweets: the Chiefs this year, sixteen and three overall, five hundred forty-six points scored, six All Pros, including a Kelsey brother, and their quarterback was the AFC's number one seed. The Eagles this year, sixteen and three overall, five hundred forty-six points scored. Six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback, NFC number one seed. If that's not wild enough, total seconds spent trailing this postseason. Chiefs, zero. Eagles, zero. Neither team has been behind in a game since week 17 of the regular season.
3: So evenly matched, right? That's wild. It's wild, too, because the way we, a lot of people, the way they've been talking the last couple weeks, too, is like the way Philly has looked recently. I don't know. They've kind of trailed off, but those numbers are pretty similar to... I mean, I mean, almost identical to the Chiefs. So when you look at it that way, you're kind of saying, okay, like both quarterbacks were kind of beat up for a little while. Maybe that affected certain things. But at the end of the day, they're pretty neck and neck when it comes to, and also being one seed, one seed.
2: Yeah, I and mean, I really liked the uh, graphic as well that pictured um, the fact that when you look at the Eagles and the Chiefs starting offensive lineups, the 11 players on the offensive side of the ball, for the Eagles... 10 of the 11 starters on offense were drafted by the Eagles. And for the Chiefs, it's 5 of 11. But at the same time, like, when you look at where that team was a year ago, you consider guys like Tyreek Hill who have since departed, and you Mm -hmm. consider the teams that were in the Super Bowl in both 2020 and 2021, those teams had even more on the offensive side of the ball that were homegrown talent. And so I think it speaks to, you know, for an organization like Jacksonville. Like, you look at that, you see the production on the field, but then you see the framework in which it was built Mm -hmm. and how it – you know, hopefully for these two franchises is going to be sustainable and it's through the draft. And so that is where uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from what these two teams are doing, both schematically and how they've been built.
1: And I think it's good to know you can do it both ways, though. Mm -hmm. You can add certainly those key players through free agency, which the Jags did a season ago and then this year. And the Chiefs did this year for what it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. And then this year will be certainly more based off of the draft. Speaking of the moves in the next segment, I want to tell you, ladies the moves that the Chiefs and Eagles made, you certainly know most of them. And then compare that to how the Jaguars could make some moves to get them to the Super Bowl. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet on 1010XL on 25 FM.
0: A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. All
1: right, here we go, ladies. Super Bowl Week is upon us, so here are the key moves that both of the teams in the Super Bowl made this offseason. I will start with the Philadelphia Eagles. They acquired wide receiver A.J. Brown, linebacker Hassan Reddick, cornerback James Bradbury, cornerback Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and linebacker Kaiser White. So they addressed mm-hmm. wide receiver, and then all four other key positions were all defense. As far as the Chiefs, two running backs with Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, strong safety Justin Reed, and defensive end George the III. So two offensive players – no, sorry, three offensive players, two defensive players for the Chiefs. And obviously the Chiefs were having to replace Tyreek Hill, which some would say they probably did not exactly replace him. But certainly Meikle Hardman had a decent season. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Toney was somewhat helped there. Uh, but then unfortunately uh, Meikle Hardman now on IR. But so with with those sets of moves, Mia, I'll start with you. How can the Jaguars go from the team this season looking at what those two teams did to get to the Super Bowl next year?
2: Yeah, I think obviously the two most glaring needs for the Jaguars as of this writing are the third corner position, assuming that they do release Shaq Griffin and go in a different direction. And then, of course... The sack, you know, pass rush, um, you know, obviously the Eagles had 29 sacks a year ago. They jumped to 70 plus mm-hmm. in one year's time. And while a lot of those guys were already under contract, a lot of folks believe and I know coach Campo said it on XL primetime today, that bringing in Hassan Reddick. That was all they needed to unlock the rest of those guys, and so that's where I think that you know um, Hargrave will be in high demand uh, this off season, whether from this franchise here in this city or a different city, because you're seeing firsthand that you can never have enough pass rushers. That's a mm-hmm. good problem to have, and it's a problem that the Jaguars had in 2017, and just have slowly but surely gotten away from it. Obviously, there were a lot of off the field reasons that that contingent. Fell apart. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what's crazy to think is three of those guys on the front four for the Eagles are pending free agents this offseason. And so this may be the only time we see all four of them together doing what they're doing and working with that in, cont- in um, tandem with that linebacking core. And so I think for the Jags, uh, defense is going to be the focus in free agency after they re sign Evan Ingram, tag or re sign Juwan Taylor. Um, obviously, Arden Key is a free agent as well. Dewan Smoot is a free agent. Knowing where the Jags are up against the cap, it'll be curious to see where cuts and restructurings are made to ensure they have enough money to continue to fortify their defense because I do think there's something to be said about bringing in a veteran pass rusher as opposed to developing a corner. Mm -hmm. Not that they can't develop a pass rusher, but they already are doing so in Trayvon Walker who self-admitted was going to be a project from the jump. Yeah.
1: And see, the one thing I wonder, Taylor, both of these teams have really good interior defensive lines mm-hmm. as far as defensive tackles getting after the quarterback. Neither of them had to address that, so that's kind of one of those things where the Jaguars mm-hmm. don't have that and probably need to address it, mm-hmm. but neither of these teams did. Uh, but so as far as – and also adding Calvin Ridley I think I think would certainly help and, and – go along with the moves that those teams made to get wide receivers.
3: Yeah, and, and that's what I was about to say. I think because when you look, when we, when we start comparing at the, a lot of the quarterbacks who have started becoming successful in the last few years, ones that may have struggled early on, when you added that one piece for them, when you added A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts, when you added Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen, um, when you added Tyree Kill for Tua Tagovailoa, like all of those things, all that one piece for them, really changed their offenses in a lot of ways. And granted, you know there's always little pieces that really start to shift and coaching changes happen and things like that. But it really looked like a guy really shifted the offense for all of those teams. And that's what I think you're hoping in Jacksonville, number one, because you already have a pretty solid what looks like core. Obviously, there's questions when it comes to Evan Ingram and Zay in free agency. But Christian Kirk has that connection with Trevor Lawrence now, so you know that's a possibility. So adding another guy, that they have in Calvin, which obviously you're hoping that after you know almost two years of not playing, there's not too much of rust, as people want to say. But adding someone like that could be potentially huge for the offense because that just that opens up so many opportunities for Christian Kirk. For Evan Ingram if he's back, and for now Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence to really be able to spread that ball in a lot of places, and that's not even talking about guys like Jamal Agnew who can also add to the offense. But I think as Mia was saying too, when you're looking at the defenses, and you could look at all of the playoff teams or the majority of the playoff teams, and those front the the f- defensive line for the majority of those teams led the leagues, led the league in a lot of aspects, whether it be pressures, sacks, you know, hurries, all of the different numbers that they keep track of. And they were all in the top of that because the pressures are so, so important. And we saw the lack of and what certain games they affected directly. And then you saw when, it, when the Jaguars were on and when they were creating pressure and they were finding ways to get to the quarterback, it was just a major difference from what you would see from week to week. And 29 sacks to 70 sacks, that's just absolutely insane to think about. And it's because they added one guy. One guy just made that, like, opened so many other opportunities. And not saying maybe, you know, some of these guys probably had career years. Um, But I just think it's so important. And those two things, so when you're looking at these directly, especially for me looking at Philly as the main connection, because to me, Kansas City, they were already a really good football team. And to me, they got rid of probably their – one of their best players because Patrick Mahomes is the best. But Tyree Kill is one of the best wide receivers in the league. And they got rid of that and were still able to succeed because they were able to do just enough, and it's Patrick Mahomes. So their path is a little more interesting and I think a little different than the Jags. But the Jags could really almost copy and paste a couple of the things that the Eagles did, and it make a massive difference. Mia, I think the
1: jump in sacks and the reason both of these teams are in the Super Bowl is because of their pass rush. But you know why it goes back to the stat that I read that they haven't trailed at all in the postseason? Mm-hmm. And they, you know what, probably didn't trail, or we already know, didn't trail a lot during the regular season. You know, when you get a bunch of sacks is when you're ahead and yep. the yeah. other team has to throw the ball because they're trying to come from behind, and your pass rushers are able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. We're talking about a team when I say, OK, the, how do the Jaguars make moves to get in the Super Bowl? This is also a team that before this season we thought might win six games, mm-hmm. went through a stretch of losing five games this season. The season certainly was not a perfect arc up by any means. And so I think what we're talking about, too, is a team that the Jaguars have to get better overall. They obviously have to get better in year 200, Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence and the offense has to play a lot better, so that way they can have a lead throughout more games.
2: Yes, and I, even then, as we say that the offense helps build up the defense and presents opportunities, Mm -hmm. aside from Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor, I do think they're done on offense. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Calvin Ridley was the move for them. I could see them drafting a wide receiver late day two, early day three. Um, While the T Higgins pipe dream is great to think about, (laughs) and I do think that they need additional running backs, Mm -hmm. I don't foresee another big splash on the offensive side of the ball outside of the draft for this team. Um, I I think that they want to work with what they have. Um, could I see them if Michael Mayer falls to them in the first round? Absolutely, I could see them doing that, and that obviously adds a different dimension. Um, But I think for this team, when they look at we got to Kansas City, we got to play the Chiefs, now the question is how do we stop Kansas City? Mm -hmm. To some, the answer might be you stop Kansas City by outscoring them. Um, But I don't think that that is the way, at least in my conversations with people in the building, that's not the way that – Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson are looking at it. They are looking at it as, how are we going to stop Travis Kelsey? How are we going to get through an offensive line that, you know, it's good, but it's not like it's the Eagles' offensive line. Um, And I know that this team really believes that if they had not played the Eagles in a hurricane week four, they had a chance against them as well. And so I think that it is – when it comes to free agency – I truly do see them really leaning a lot of their assets towards the defensive side Mm -hmm. of the ball after they re-sign those two guys, because I think that they believe, which for better or worse, I'm not saying that they're, you know, Calvin Ridley away, Mm -hmm. but they feel like they made their big splash on offense, and now if they can keep the rest of this core together, because consistency, and Doug Peterson has said this multiple times, is what Trevor Lawrence has been lacking the last two years around him, that will then unlock that new level that we talked about. Well, and I think also just going
3: back, and that's why I said you could almost copy and paste because the names that you listed, Lauren, were I think four of them defensive or five of them defensive that the Eagles did. And... I think a big factor in that too, and you mentioned you touched on it, is just the veteran part of that. The experience of it helped a ton because it wasn't they weren't depending on the draft to have these defensive players come in and all of them at, all of a sudden have to take a big leap. And the Jags need that. Granted, next year Trayvon and Devin Lloyd will have a year experience, so they'll be a little bit under their belt to to bring a guy that could really whether it be an interior guy or a defensive end or someone you know someone on the on the ends. But to have a veteran leadership and some experience, I think, will take a massive leap with the defense. And that's what the Philly did this year. They were able to add a guy who was not only good at his position, but had experience. And it just all clicked. Taylor, do you buy into
1: the fact that the Eagles have skated through the postseason, so they haven't really faced any adversity through this postseason? Like, Do you think that's going to continue? Are the Eagles going to skate through in the
3: Super Bowl? Not necessarily defeat the Chiefs by a bunch, but... Is it going to be be fairly easy for the the Eagles? I don't know. I I think this game, I personally am expecting a good game, a closer game. I feel like the last weekend when we were talking about the conference championships game, conference championships game, they went almost opposite of what I thought they were going to be. So at this point, I'm like, who even knows? (laughs) Because I really, truly was expecting the Philly Niners game to be defensive fully defensive and like closer, but lower scoring. And I was expecting Kansas city and Cincinnati to be super high scoring and a shootout. And it was almost, it was not that on on either game. So I'm very interested to see how this is going to go, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see Patrick Mahomes going up into uh, against a defense who is, I think five sacks away from breaking the bears, sack record. And that's and that's been held for a long time, eighty four eighty five. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs are able to scheme with a defense that's able to do that. And then vice versa, what it's a defense is able to maybe you can say skate by through some things, getting lucky facing at one point a running back as a quarterback Mm -hmm. because that's what you got to deal with and going to Patrick Mahomes. Right. And that's the thing. I
1: I can see why people think the Eagles are going to win this game, certainly on the other side, though, the Chiefs have had tougher challenges, I mm-hmm. think, with the Jaguars and the Bengals.
2: Yeah, and and not to mention, for as much as we give the AFC West a lot of flack because of what we anticipated it being, mm-hmm. at the same time, I mean, they did have to face Justin Herbert twice. They had to face that Denver defense twice, which I know obviously their offense was anemic and historically one of the worst ever, but their defense is solid. There's a reason Sean Payton took that job, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. And the Raiders, for as much as we malign them, they score points, mm-hmm. and so I think what's going to be fascinating is this is an Eagles defense that overall all those guys we mentioned in the trenches are veteran guys for the most part. But in the secondary, they're equally as veteran with Darius Slay, James Bradbury, former Florida Gator Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Those are guys that have been around the block, whereas this chief secondary, which, give it its credit, but outside of Legereus Sneed, a lot of young guys. You got Trent McDuffie, who was one of their first round picks. Um, I always blank on his name. The other safety, who's a freshman, or not freshman, a rookie as well, the one who picked off Trevor in the playoff game. I'm mm. uh, Jalen Watts. Yes. I yes. Um, so, I mean, you have some young cats yeah. in that secondary, and it's going to be curious to see how they fare. It's also going to be curious to see how much the the Eagles and Jalen Hurts actually throw the ball because they didn't have to all that much against the 49ers by the sheer fact of the fact the matter that they were up 21 nothing essentially from the jump because um, Brock Purdy got hurt basically from the jump. Um, but yeah, Jalen Hurts, 15 of 25, 121 yards through the air. And that's something that I know on primetime we've talked a lot about that it is his ability with his legs, which even then he only had 11 carries for 39 yards in that win, that that is a dynamic that perhaps the Chiefs really haven't seen before and maybe not won't won't be as prepared for.
1: Here's the stat that, I think, comes into focus when we talk about the Super Bowl. Philadelphia is 14-0 and when running for more than 100 yards, and Kansas City gives up yards on the ground when teams are able to commit to grinding out yards on the ground. 14-0 when they run for over 100 yards. If only the Jaguars <laughs> had that stat that they always won when running for over 100 yards, uh, that would be a, a fun thing that we could talk about going into this next season, but that's not always the case. But I think that's – it's not certainly – what it all boils down to because I think the Eagles could rush for 120 yards and the chiefs could still win because mm-hmm. they're dynamic through the air, but it is going to be a big factor for the chiefs defense. If Jalen hurts and if miles Sanders and if Boston Scott and, and mm-hmm. all those guys are able to get it going on the ground.
3: Oh yeah. It's interesting. And it's so funny to me, Mia, cause you were just talking about the, uh, AFC West. So, When we're talking about preseason, we were all, everybody was like hammering, man, like AFC West, this division's unstoppable and NFC least. They were calling it three Ah. of the (laughs) NFC East teams get into the playoffs. None of them were under 500 in the entire division because Washington actually, I think was pretty, pretty better than a lot of people maybe thought they were, especially towards the end of the season. And so it's so funny when you see that. But uh, even though now you look at it and the way that I think the Giants and the Dallas went out. Right. It makes it look a little worse. But I mean, the Raiders were 6 and 11 and the Broncos were 5 and 12. So that division doesn't look as great as it was. As, uh, it doesn't look as competitive as the NFC East if you're looking at records alone. Yeah. So absolutely. it's kind of funny how those two flopped throughout the season.
2: So who wins, Mia? Chiefs or Eagles? Ah, uh, I do like the Dirty Birds, although I do think that the I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> It's so hard. I here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. I bull- hard. Here's the thing. On paper, I'd pick the Eagles. Okay. Have you also seen that tweet circulating of the guy who has accurately predicted the Super Bowl winner the past, like, seven years? No. I don't think it's real. No. I think it's Photoshop. But still, there's <laughs> part of me that's like, mm, I'd be afraid to bet against that. But I also don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes because I believe this is a legacy game for him. I think this is where he and Andy Reid put their foot in the sand and say – and draw the line and say that this is who the Chiefs are – They are the new Patriots. It doesn't matter that Tyreek Hill got traded. It doesn't matter that they throw the ball to Travis Kelsey 8,000 times and they really don't have a vertical passing game outside of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're going to find a way, just like Belichick and Brady did, and that is a very, very scary but also fun possibility and reality in the AFC. So, yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs. (laughs) Okay. You like the Dirty Birds,
3: but you're going to the Chiefs. Uh, Speaking of the graphic going viral, because I think that we want that Graphic to be accurate because he has Eagles, Bills, Jags as the predicted Super Bowls. Um, So if it's right, then we have a fun next couple of years. Yeah, we do. Let's start working Um, on the parade route now. Yes, but I I know it's hard to go against Patrick Mahomes, but I am. I'm going to go Philly. Um, I just think that defense is insane and not that it's going to completely be able to shut down Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes, but I do think that – being able to get him out of the pocket and making him really work for some of those yards a little more, making him force some passes, um, force some throws and things like that can help Philly. To me, it's all on, like, which Jalen Hurts are we getting because I think he's had a really, really great season, but there's been games, to me, that have been a little – like a little blah, and they still end up winning just because their defense is able to create turnovers and get sacks and all of those things. But I think this is a game where Jalen Hurts is also going to have to play well. Um, But I do think he will. So I'm going to say Philly. But I I don't know if it's going to be 45-40 or if it's going to be 17-12. Like, I really do not know.
1: Yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle of that. I also think it's a close game, though. There's something about Patrick Mahomes, like me, I can't bet against him. Well, it's like Brady. I mean, we learned our lesson with him. We did. We absolutely did. We thought he was done by the time he left Bill Belichick and the Patriots and Mm -hmm. just wanted to have fun in Tampa. But uh, he ended up winning the Super Bowl in 2020. Yeah, I just think there's something magical about what Andy Reid can do. And, oh, by the way, Andy Reid is 3-0 and against his former team, the Eagles. So I think not that that's necessarily a factor. I just think that Andy Reid knows that team really well, even though it's been a long time, I would think, 10 years since he coached there. But he knows the organization and all those things. I, I think the Chiefs win, but I think we are all on the edge of our yeah. seat Sunday night, and it's one of those uh, instant classics. That's a thriller, and that's so much fun. All right, let's get to a little Jaguars when we come back. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet on 1010XL, 92.5 FM.
0: These heels are made for talking. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL.
1: Coming up in the next segment, we have some special guests from the Players' Championship. Emily and Miranda will join us. And we have a kick-butt giveaway That would be a pair of tickets to the Players' Championship Military Appreciation Concert on Tuesday, March 7th, plus, that's right, plus a $50 gift card to Cousins Maine Lobster. So make sure you are listening in the next segment when we will be giving that away. I'm super excited about the players, like everyone is. And I uh, can't wait for that to get here and hope that we have beautiful weather this year. I, I said on the French show earlier, it was not good weather no. last year. So that means we have to I be was freezing. good weather. Yeah, it was very, rainy, freezing, very windy. Yep. <clears throat> but see, at the same time, I still had a blast. So that's how you know yeah. the players is good, whether oh, yeah. you have great weather or not. And so certainly we'll get to that in the next segment. But Taylor, as far as the Jacksonville Jaguars, Christian Kirk was on the Up and Adams podcast with Kay Adams and FanDuel TV. Mm-hmm. And he said that he does not get the respect that he deserves, even though he is one of the better wide receivers in the league. Is that something where you think it's good that he still has a chip on his shoulder, or is
3: that something where you really think he feels disrespected? Um, I feel like he may honestly feel a bit disrespected after the way that last offseason went, because not it wasn't like people were saying Christian Kirk was a bad wide receiver. They were just very obviously saying he's not worth the money that the Jaguars just gave him. And for a player to be told that, I'm sure that's kind of like, how are you, you're telling me I'm not worth the money that someone's giving me, you know, and, and at that time contracts, I mean, now, days in general contracts are thrown at players all of the time that are massive. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Christian Kirk was kind of like, Man, like they're pretty much telling me I'm a number two, I'm a number three wide receiver, I'm not worth number one wide receiver money. That's not going to work out in Jacksonville. I'm not a one, so it's not going to help Trevor enough. And then has a season the way he did, and they go on to the divisional playoffs, and he was like, okay, like some of you guys are probably wrong. And so I'm sure some of, I'm sure it's a combination. I'm sure it was a little jab for him to be like, I'm here, you guys were wrong last year. But also, I, I think it's good. It's good to show that confidence because even if maybe, I think some of these guys sometimes do fully believe they are the best at what they do or could be the best at what they do. And some want to be the best. So they, if you speak it into existence, you know? Yeah. And earlier this season, Mia, Trevor obviously talked about the fact that he
1: heard the noise and, and, what people, he was reading what people were saying about him when the Jaguars were going through their slump in October and he used that as fuel. And so it makes sense to me that then Christian Kirk has this and I saw Trevor retweeted it this morning. I feel like it's kind of a band of them getting together being like, yeah, we are just the lowly Jaguars and Mm -hmm. nobody sees us coming. And then this is a team that now is going to contend in the AFC. Yeah,
2: and I appreciate that you guys are looking at it from that perspective, because I know uh, several of our colleagues here at 1010 looked at Christian Kirk's comments and said, whoa, is this going to create a conflict when Calvin Ridley shows up? Because he is the number one wide receiver. And I don't think it's, it's quite that. I, I think it is more so like you said about the keep counting us out, like we're gonna prove you wrong mentality. Um but I and do And Calvin
1: can have a chip on his shoulder too, oh by the every, way. Because yeah.
2: everyone thinks that he's done. Right. And that he's got issues and he's washed up. Um I don't think it's a matter of Christian Kirk trying to establish his dominance in the locker room and say, Well, I'm the alpha because he's yeah. not that type of person. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time I think he is Very much trying to vocalize that, yeah, like, I did get paid, and I performed up to it. And Mm -hmm. there were a lot of guys, including Devontae Adams, whether you want to blame Derek Carr or not. Like, yes, he was a pro bowler again, but his numbers weren't what many anticipated it being. Mm -hmm. So he got paid, and then maybe he didn't live up to those expectations, and Christian Kirk did, and then some. And so now it's a matter of, again, consistency. Just like we said, surrounding Trevor with the same cast of characters to create consistency – now you need to see that from Christian Kirk. And, uh, yes, I, I see you text line design my lifetime enclosures all day today. He also needs to catch that pass. Again, yeah, the there's chips.
1: a few passes. Yeah, we talked about that on our show, Taylor. There,
2: there were a few passes
1: I brought up. The game against the Chiefs, obviously, in the divisional round. Hayes brought up the game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the regular Mm -hmm. season. Then also the game against the Eagles up in Philadelphia. Granted, those conditions were a little bit different. But the two games at Arrowhead, those are massively important games, especially if you're talking about trying to host an AFC championship in the future. So you've got to, yes, you've got to catch everything that comes your way similar to how Marvin Jones Jr. is.
3: Yes, especially when you are making comments like that because right. people are going to immediately start pointing out your mistakes if you're making a bold comment like that. And That's what I, you get when you make millions and you're <laughs> yeah, in the spotlight. That's what yeah. you get. Don't feel too bad, but <laughs> I, I think, like, with the Calvin uh, Ridley situation, to me, as long as Ridley doesn't come here and, like, I'm your captain now. I, I don't see it going that route. To me, I see more of like them being able to feed off of, you know, like feed off of that energy and be able to battle because for a lot of these guys, that competition makes them even better. When they know they have somebody, and you see in, in Cincinnati, they had. With Higgins, Jamar, and Boyd. Yep. Like all of those three guys, and you never really saw any of them. You never saw them. You've seen a little bit of the T. Higgins stuff now, and he kind of even laughed at it. He hasn't came out and been like, this is my team. I'm a number one. No, I'm a number one. You You don't see that because, to me, I think these guys are like, we can all be successful, and we could go to a Super Bowl with this. And so if they look at it in that light, which is why I like this team so much better than the 2017 team because I think that could have turned toxic back in the day, but I don't see it turning that way with this team.
2: I know we don't do that just happens on helmets mm-hmm. and heels. Um, and I, I was grabbing our um new our guest special guest coming up in the seven o'clock hour from the front door, escorting um, her, in. escorting escorting yes. her in, but uh, grabbing But her. did you guys see this latest news um from uh various outlets, including the. Athletic and from NewOrleansFootball.com. I did not. It's your guy, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> your boy, Derek Carr, has been granted permission to visit with the New Orleans Saints, his first potential okay. visit for a potential trade partner with the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: So that's what I've been wondering is, is there really a team that's going to trade for him because that contract is... Just massive. He's he's hoping
3: somebody's going to trade hoping, for him. He's certainly hoping, right? I just
1: wonder if that's the smartest decision maybe for
3: these other teams. That's yeah. probably one good thing that the Pro Bowl did is maybe help him. Like, not saying that I'm happy it helped him, but for his own good, somebody is probably looking at that and being like, he has the ability because clearly, like, he's able to hit – Everything he needed to hit in that aspect, and you've seen we've you've seen all the stats and the numbers. Does that mean he's going to be somebody's franchise quarterback and go and win a Super Bowl with them? I personally do not think so, and I know you don't, Lauren. Yeah. But I think that probably helped a little bit for people because there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks right now.
2: What's also interesting, and I didn't even realize this. Um, this is from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. When Dennis Allen was the Raiders head coach, he inserted a highly touted rookie into the starting lineup in 2014. That same player will now visit the Saints tomorrow. Dennis Allen, of course, is the head coach of the New Orleans Saints.
3: Yeah, I and mean, someone has to throw to Chris Olave because uh, right. <laughs> it was not Andy Dalton.
1: Uh, Alvin Kamara, right, Chris Olave, and then the rest of the weapons are not nearly as exciting mm-hmm. for the Saints, so he's well, certainly- Well, Michael Thomas,
3: who- Right, Michael uh, Thomas has been IR, but
1: mm-hmm. there were talks of him being traded a season ago, so I yeah. wonder if he'll still be there next season, but it just makes you wonder if Derek Carr is going to be exposed when the weapons aren't nearly as good as they have been for him, mm-hmm. especially you know going to- a, completely different system than he has been in with the Raiders. But either way, I'm not trying to, uh, as JJ says, dance on his grave. I'm not trying <laughs> to do that. I will just be fascinated to see if a team is really willing to pay out that contract. That's
2: who we got canceled. Speaking of dancing on graves, who? we got the Jets quarterback situation canceled. There that, you go, that Mia. Was, that's that who my, you ruined. Yes, that is who I ruined. Yes, this <laughs> lovely, lovely 2022-2023 season. Which Did you see the ESPN NFL Nation reporters did a redraft of the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, so, D-Rock had to pick for the Jags at number one overall. And in this redraft, he took Sauce Gardner. But perhaps more impressively, if you want to call it that, Rich Samini of the of ESPN, who covers the Jets, picked Brock Purdy, fourth overall. So, you want to tell me that they're still not butthurt about the fact that they don't have a quarterback up there? Yeah. Oh, they no, oh, they're hurting. They are.
3: They're hurting.
2: Yeah, I saw...
1: I think it, yeah, it was John Shipley of SI said, we've already seen Brock Purdy with the Jets. That was Mike White. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that it's not that wrong. experiment did not – I mean, it wasn't terrible, but certainly, yeah. I, Derek Carr, to me, Kirk Cousins, those types of quarterbacks, they're good at stats, but mm. they're not the clutch quarterback that's going to win you anything. Which I
2: want to read you a, a really good kind of building off that, um, a really good tweet from – I'm going to butcher the name – Anand Nandori, who used to work for the NFL, who tweeted earlier today, Something that should be discussed more. The Chiefs had a perfectly fine quarterback in Alex Smith. They traded up for Patrick Mahomes anyways. The Eagles had a perfectly fine quarterback in Carson Wentz and drafted Jalen Hurts anyways. Good enough isn't always good enough.
1: Yeah, and I think with Alex Smith, that one for sure, drafting Patrick Mahomes was really interesting. Carson Wentz was hurt all the time. So that one made a little more sense. Now granted, a lot of people didn't love who they picked in Jalen Hurts. In the second round. But as far as they drafting a quarterback when they did, yeah, that to me made a whole lot of sense.
2: Yeah. Well, and people question them because it was a second round pick.
1: Right. No, and, I can and the get Eagles it. had
2: other needs. Now, of course, hindsight's twenty-twenty, and you look back on it. And right, because the Packers
1: did that too. And everyone now says, well, the Packers should never have done that with Jordan Love yeah. drafting him in, in the second round, right?
3: Yeah, I think, like, we say that media – it's funny now how Packers fans are starting to shift and they are kind of getting over Aaron Rodgers And from the things that I've seen. so And they are full-on Jordan Love time, he's going to be good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I just think they – like, the ones my age especially, they don't know life without a Hall of Fame quarterback because since 92 it's been that. So, to them, they just think it happens. Like, mm-hmm. it, it'll happen again because it's already happened back-to-back for us. So, I, I will – Hate life if he ends up somehow <laughs> being good, but it'll be it's wild. But when you go back to we were talking about the Jalen, the Philly situation with all of the quarterbacks. I did see something recently, and I was like, because it it was talking about Carson Wentz, and it said Carson Wentz has not like both his backup quarterbacks that he was replaced by have gone to a Super Bowl now because obviously he got hurt. Foles goes on and wins a Super Bowl, and then he gets replaced by Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is going to the Super Bowl. So Carson's probably sitting there like, dang.
2: <laughs> So close. Thank goodness Jim Irsay <laughs> and the Colts haven't figured it out because then he'd really be saying it too. <laughs> and
1: what are the commanders going to get a different quarterback? Or yeah, they, that's an interesting that's one. I one. I was actually, I, I know
2: we're going to be saying hello to our friends from uh, the tour and the players championship coming up in the seven o'clock hour, but I did want to look at some of these mock drafts. Um, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com has his latest. Matt Miller has his. And interestingly enough, uh, they do have Florida Gators being drafted to the Washington Commanders. One being quarterback Anthony Richardson and Matt Miller's latest. What contract. number he has a uh, 16th overall. 16th, and then okay. uh, and then Zealine has Ozi- Osiris, Osiris Torrance at 16th overall.
1: Interesting. Yeah. yeah. If they're going quarterback, then certainly I would think you're going to do if you're going to do that, you're going to do that at 16 unless mm-hmm. you trade up. All right. Like Mia said, we will say hello to our friends from the players, and we have that awesome giveaway next. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet on 92.5 FM. <laughs>
0: A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Welcome
1: back to Helmets and Heels on this fine Tuesday evening. Me, O'Brien, Taylor, Doll. I'm Lauren Brooks, and we do have our friends from the players joining us. Emily Bellick, Director of Community Outreach, and Miranda Rossum, PR Manager. Ladies, thanks so much for joining us thank you for having us absolutely all right let's start with the easiest question in the world and that is how much do you love the players championship we love the players championship so much that this is actually my
2: 16th players championship nice love it now miranda you were previously with the jumbo shrimp so this is your First year, First year in this role with the players. So what has been the most exciting part of the job and being a community outreach manager and planning and working with all our local media so far?
4: I think it's just been all the new people that I get to meet in, in a fun capacity as well. No one is ever in a bad mood when you're at a golf course or oh, when yeah. you're meeting them uh, for something either charitable or golfing or just having a good time. So I think it's always the best is I'm meeting people at their happiest and Right.
2: Love it, love it. Uh, J- Producer JJ is making the symbol. Just make sure you're talking into the microphone. But hey, we're gonna get you. <laughs> oh, listen, we're learning as we'll we get there. we're learning as we go because you guys are gonna be joining us every Tuesday that's here, on right? Olments this and is the first of leading weeks. up to the tournament.
3: So tell us a little bit because we've been working for many years with Emily Tillo, and that's who we've been talking to. So now we get to talk to both of you two. Tell us a little bit about each of your personal roles with what you're doing with the Players Championship. Absolutely.
5: So um, Emily Belloc here, Director of Community Outreach. I've been with the PGA Tour for about 16 years now but I just more recently moved into this role and um, it's my job to ensure that the players are staying engaged with our community on a year-round basis, um, focus on all of our charitable giving and community engagement activities and I have to say I probably have the best job at the PGA Tour. That
3: sounds like a fun one.
4: <laughs> and then I'm Miranda. I obviously and from the Jumbo Shrimp, as Mia mentioned before, but my job is to make sure that everyone knows what Emily is doing in the community, in addition to a little bit of media wrangling and hurtling or uh, hurting at the term. I was going to say wrangling, wrangling and hurting is probably the best way. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's to go. Having worked on the TV and the radio side of it, yes, that is literally what you're doing.
1: What is, Emily, what is the most fun event that you've been a part of in your new role? That's
5: a great question. We've had so many fun ones. Um, I do have to say, though, we haven't experienced this just yet, but it's around the corner. We've been working closely with the Jacksonville Humane Society on an adoption event that will take place this weekend. Um, First day of it is Friday, February 10th through Sunday, February 12th. And um, the Players' Championship will be covering adoption fees for all pets adopted during that period. Pets will go home with a Players' Branded Bandana and custom dog biscuits from Bark and Biscuits from the North Florida School of Special Education. So we're really excited about the partnership of all these organizations and really doing good and finding some four-legged friends a a home this weekend. This is it. a
3: show
2: that loves puppies. So that's a good <laughs> yes. thing. Miranda, Miranda, I think you're gonna need to send me that photo so we can make sure we promote <laughs> mutts and putts. Yes. Because the, these pups folks, if you are if you are a dog fan out there, well, we, 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 do, we know that you're going to say if you look at it, you're going to adopt another dog. And, oh, no, another – no, trust me, that's a good thing. These dogs need to go to good homes. And we, of course, appreciate all the philanthropic stuff that the players has cooking. And then, of course, we had Media Day yesterday. So, Miranda, I know uh, you and I were talking afterwards. Check your first big project off the list. Kind of walk us through some of the highlights from Media Day for you.
4: Yeah, it was – Hey, like you mentioned, very glad to get that off of my to-do list. Uh, big weight off of my
2: shoulders so it's been
4: a long couple days. Those media people are so
1: annoying. I know the
4: worst. demanding, the they really worst. Are. Um, but it was a great day on the course. Could not have asked for better weather. Everyone got some good swag bags. Hopefully, they got um, a few good photos and sound bites from Jared Rice, our executive director. I know Mia had a good time, especially on our newly renovated Hole 9. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Of about 30 yards back, I think it's a little yes, longer. Yes, so. it was
2: actually hilarious. Um, so, I did a story with Emily Tillo two years ago where we did um, the stadium course by the numbers. And so... Back two years ago, hole two was by yardage, the longest hole on the course. And so I made a comment to the rest of my playing group yesterday that, oh, we're about to go on two. That's the longest pure yardage hole on the course. And our caddy, who is a Corn Fairy Tour player, uh, piped up and said, no, it's not. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it is. I did a story with Emily Tillow on it to you. And he goes, no, it's not. <laughs> Six is longer, and technically nine now is the longest. And I was like, oh, nope. okay. <laughs> okay. And, Sorry. Then, and then I was informed that indeed, whole nine, the tee box has been moved 30 yards back. So now it That's is. That's what a caddy's supposed to do, it's supposed to be he helping you, you out. Yes. So, so how did you,
3: how did it go, Mia? Uh, it was awful. Um, I, uh,
2: <laughs> it was actually the hole where everything went to C-R-A-P for me. Um, because uh, first hole 16 was a lot. That low- word's
1: allowed on me. Yeah, I know, I know.
2: <laughs> I, I don't want to offend my mother. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, uh, we started on sixteen. Which is not for the faint of heart either because you're starting on a par five. Yeah. Um, which after having about three practice shots on the range, uh, also not for the faint of heart. And so... At least it's straight. Yeah, 16. triple bogey that hole. Okay. Um, then shout out to Rick Ballou because we were playing a shamble. So it was, you know, you take the best drive. And so thankfully, uh, Rick dropped it three feet from the cup on 17. So Oh, I saw the video. Birdie. <laughs> birdie at 1010XL 10, 10 channels. Yes, if you're listening, it. you want to see it. Um, so drop that t- three feet from the cup. So birdied there. And then I actually party 18 so I was feeling really good I'm like all right and then I you know one through seven we're cranking we're moving approach shots are working I'm like all right a couple little bunker shots but I got him out I'm like all right here we go and then we got to hole nine and I said hey Matt this is the longest one right and he said yep and that is where um, not only I unraveled but my whole group unraveled (laughs) Um, and yeah and then the back nine I said well I'm gonna have my BLT at the turn and everything's gonna be great and um, it was for about two holes and then it just yeah, it was over. Uh, we got to a point by the last two holes where the caddy was like, "Hey, you want to try the longest putt of the day? You're like seventy yards out, but I feel like you could try to <laughs> you like could make it swing the putt." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, like at this point, you know, I got my other three teammates were really carrying the load over here." Um, but yeah, it was a good day, and you know, I always joke. I say, "Whatever the weather is at media day." We like to think that that is an indication of the weather that we will get for the tournament. Fingers crossed, of course. Please. Um, Because last year's media day, it was 55 degrees and raining. And as you may recall, that is what the tournament weather was as well. So the fact that we had 68 and sunny yesterday, perfect. We will take that. A little bit warmer, but we'll take that Mm -hmm. any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Miranda,
3: so one of the things we are obviously talking about a little bit on break, because what kind of kicks all of this off for us is the military appreciation day, the concert, and you being former military have a little bit extra relationship to that day. Tell us a little bit about this year. Obviously, Riley Green was announced. so That's exciting um, for country fans, especially like Lauren and I and Mia. Uh, or so if you just like attractive men. <laughs> yeah, you you right. have That's eyeballs. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about uh, that kickoff. Yeah,
4: we're super excited. I think something that makes Northeast Florida so unique is its large military population. And something that we're very cognizant of at the players is that the military population is transient. It's always changing. So we want to make sure that if you have moved to Florida in this past year, that we give you the proper players' welcome to Jacksonville and all things great players. So we try to blow it out every single year, and we are very excited about our lineup of activities. We do still have some military tickets available, uh, both military, active duty, National Guard, and retired. Those are complimentary with a $20 food voucher. Get those right now, www.players.com slash military. We also have veteran tickets, and those are about 50% off, which is a very, like, I can tell you (laughs) as a veteran, like, that's the best you're going to get. So we're really excited about that. Got Riley Green coming, which you know he's a country superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, he's touring with Luke Combs this summer too. So, oh yes. yeah! Oh, Rafferati is on the yeah. Luke Combs' concert, So yep. Buy your ticket. So now. see him first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Before he's at arenas, and then it's harder. I've already play seen player.
1: him at an arena. Have you <laughs> yeah. opening for? No, last year he was headlining was when he? I went to Savannah. Okay, uh, Riley Green was. So yeah, he he's really good. The Savannah arena, he didn't come to Jacksonville. But either way, uh Emily, you said you've been to this will be your sixteenth players. That's right. What is your favorite memory from all of those? Oh gosh, that's a great question. um you know, it's it's hard
5: to believe this, but one of the best memories is when the Chainsmokers was there in uh, 2020. I think there was so much energy and excitement with the crowd. Um, it was a really different type of musical act we ever had, and um, unfortunately, that was really kind of the the peak stopping point before, <laughs> yeah, COVID. But I think. Um, we're just fortunate to to maintain a lot of that momentum, even though we weren't playing tournaments for a long time. And, um, you know, the players and a lot of our PJ Tour events were impacted. But I think we're we're really back stronger than ever. So we're we're building off on that energy and uh, looking forward to incredible
2: 2023 championship. I have to ask the superstition question. Has it been a been gone back to a country artist for the kickoff show because the one year that you guys deviated <laughs> was well the been... year the world that, ended?
5: That is a really good point. Um, you know what? We I'm not sure we thought that all the way through, but let's just lean into that. Yeah, and, let's lean, uh, into like yeah, lean into the country. Lean into the country
2: that keeps the world
5: operating at an efficient level. Yep.
4: Hey, yep.
1: Country like loves that. the USA. Miranda, have you been <laughs> to the players just as a fan in the past?
4: I have. You know, what's funny is I think almost every single year that I was active duty, with the exception of chain smokers year when the world was melting and mm-hmm. I was in the Navy at the time. And I remember I was like fielding phone calls the day of the concert, like trying to get state. Like <laughs> that was the worst experience. Oh, no. I was think I was deployed almost everything out every other year that okay. I was here. So this will be my first time to truly be able to take in players and soak it in and really appreciate everything
2: that's going around. me Love it. Love it. So obviously, like we said, military appreciation, any other new things that we have coming to the players this year? Oh, we have some new.
4: She's things. like, "Are you ready yeah. for this?" Let's hear the new <laughs> thing. time do doing well. <laughs> First question we always get asked is food. Mm-hmm. Who is our new? Don't worry, tacos okay. on twelve is going still nowhere. <laughs> it's right. still there. That's you know question one a. But after you know, what's the weather going to be like? Uh, but we're bringing Goat Tapas Bar. I don't know if Ooh. you guys have been there. But mm-hmm. I have. Yep, they're brand new. We're really excited oh, about yeah. that. Um, they offer global cu- cuisine with a modern twist. Mm-hmm. And then also part of the improvements to the course is that 8-9 area the, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes. Mia got very familiar with yes. yesterday. We've expanded that fan area, so that is going to be all things fan. That's going to be the new meeting spot. It used to be the benefactor back in the mm-hmm. days,
2: Because mm-hmm. that's where Naomi Wines was at, 8-8 eight, eight Green, correct. correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. So now it'll be the built Oasis out. Yeah.
4: featuring Tito's Stillhouse Lounge, so there's going to be... Um, golden tea in there we're gonna have a bbq it's gonna be so it's
1: all gonna be right there eight mm-hmm. nine okay yeah it's a gonna hot be
5: spot incredible views of golf there too so it'll be a party and uh, also some great sight lines
1: miami wines last year had like a golf go- golf ball looking like wine cup like a travel wine cup and they said you know these are gonna go fast so you better get in line now So we got in line like an hour before they actually gave them away. They were gone within like 15 (laughs) minutes. So it's one of my prize possessions. (laughs) Oh, you got one? I got one. Absolutely. Yeah. It was on Saturday, so I didn't have to work. Uh, And so I was like, well, we can just hang out here for a little bit. But that's one of the fun things is Mm -hmm. that – the players always has something unexpected that you wouldn't, you know, go necessarily for. Like, I had no idea that day. And then we got there and I was like, oh, well, I guess I can spend a little more time at the Mayomi Chalet. <laughs> you needed
5: the glass. And that actually is a great point where you have a reimagined Sawgrass Splash Cup for this year. Oh. So I think fans will be excited to see it. And, um, you know, despite popular belief that, that less liquid could fit in the cup, we've done Numerous <laughs> tests, and it's the exact same size. So, so everyone will a hopefully enjoy shape. that. Okay. Yes, yes. And it's actually um, a more sustainable cup this year. Very right? nice. So, um, doing good for the environment and doing good for our fans to continue to enjoy those sawgrass splashes. And thank you Love for
2: inadvert- inadvertently reminding me that that is another one of the videos that we are going to be working on together, 1010 Excel and the players. Uh, because I forgot to mention that when Gary Stover and I, shout out Gary, were making the list last night. So we will make sure we also spotlight that Sawgrass Splash Cup, which I had a Sawgrass Splash yesterday, and it was fantastic, as Must always. Must be nice. <laughs> always,
1: always. Uh, well, I'm going to be nice right now and give away a pair of tickets to the players on Tuesday. Then you get to go see Riley Green for the Military Appreciation Concert. And you get a $50 gift card to Cousins Main Lobster. Be caller number four right now at 641-1010. Caller number four, 641-1010. All of that is yours, and you get to come hang out for the concert, of course, Helmets and Heels will be broadcasting live that Tuesday evening as well. Well, Emily and Miranda, thank you both so much for coming in, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. All right.
2: right. <laughs> <We'll laughs> learn we we're learning. We're going There you thought. go. <laughs> You're learning. Hey, we'll listen, be, we're excited we'll be, to have you guys the next few weeks. You're going to be old pros. By, yeah. by, give it three weeks. You guys are going to be pros at this. I'll talk into the mic
1: next week. <laughs> we'll be back with more NFL talk and a whole lot else. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tilet on Tension XL 92.5 FM.
0: These heels are made for talking. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL.
1: All right, well, last week Tom Brady announced he was retiring. Some of the sand from the beach where he retired is being (laughs) auctioned off for over $100,000. That's wild to me. I feel like that's a dumb move on my part. I should have driven down... He to whatever, whatever beach he was at, gotten some of the sand and auctioned off myself. But that's neither here nor there. But then he tells everyone he will not be a commentator on Fox until 2024. So what's he going to do this year? Is he going to unretire post more
3: again? Have half naked?
1: <laughs> he did post a picture of himself in underwear. I guess that was some challenge. I sent it to
3: Donna and made her whole entire life. I think Ugh. because she <laughs> was so, she was <laughs> like, "Is this Tom?" And I'm like. Yes, and she's like, I have to send a mass. So she sent it to her mom, and her mom was like, "I'm printing it and putting it in my bedroom." And I was like, "I'm not sure your dad. I was gonna <laughs> I'm not say, sure the husband really would. wants yeah. to see that." Yeah, but yeah,
1: is he going to unretire, Mia? Is he going to just have fun on the beach for the next year? What's I think, exactly going to happen? Yeah,
2: I think that this does leave open the possibility of a alleged Rob Gronkowski thought of in October, or even um, you know some of the other players we've seen uh, come out of retirement. At the eleventh hour, because they say, "Oh, this team's competing for a championship, and I want one more, so I'm going to pop in." Obviously, most of those players don't play the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, when and the Niners on, when the
3: Niners are on their sixth quarterback, right. yeah. they'll call Tom. <laughs> right, then then
2: Tom can show up. Um, but I, I don't think he would just jump I, in no. the middle. Right, of right. The season. I I don't think he plays a position that would lend itself to that. Um, I also truly get the vibe that he. I mean, I don't know if he's going to try to put his marriage back together, but it does sound like. He needs to reconnect with his family. As Aaron Rodgers continues to zig one way, uh, <laughs> Tom Brady is zagging the other way, where it does sound like he wants to take time to be with his kids, maybe get back with Giselle, I don't know. But that was the vibe I got, that he is truly a broken man right now, and he wants to refine that connection to his family before he enters this next phase of his life. It's going to be curious if he actually, in doing so, like let's say – hypothetically speaking, you know, in a perfect little Tommy world. Like, either he gets back with Giselle or maybe he finds another love and his kids and him and Giselle are all on a good page come September. And let's say, I don't know, I don't want to wish, like, you know, ill upon any quarterback, but, like, let's say, I don't know, Daniel Jones goes down and the Giants call him and say, we'll give you as much money. Or even, and again, we don't want to do this to the Bulls kid, but, like, Mac Jones suddenly has a season-ending injury in September. And Belichick calls him and said, how are you doing mentally? And he says, I'm the best I've ever been. You want to do one last ride? Like, could I see that happening? Yes. But I truly feel like this man, he he clearly recognizes that his decision to come back this past year may not have been – the best decision Mm -hmm. um, for himself both on and off the field. And moreover, I think there's part of him, and I think this is also part of why he signed the futures contract with Fox, that watched guys like Brett Favre hold on for too long, and essentially it tarnished their legacy. Yeah.
3: And he made a comment, too, about how he's like he's tired of getting hit. And I was like, literally that's what Giselle was saying one year ago when she was asking you to retire, is I'm tired of seeing you get hit. Um, So it's interesting, but I I don't see him – I think it would take a very perfect situation. I do not think that Tom Brady would come back in October to play for the New York Giants. Like, I just don't see that happening. I think it would have to be, personally, He's he seems like he loves Florida and tropical weather at this point, or at least sunny weather. Um, So a place that is has more of something like that. But even at this point, if he really is trying to amend, make amends with his – family and whether that be him and Giselle actually getting back together or just being able to have a civil relationship and be able to raise their kids together because a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, they had a, a video went viral and people started freaking out because it was a- he was at a, looking at a school in Miami and everyone was like, "Oh, he's going to go to the Dolphins, blah blah blah." But Giselle lives in Miami and so they were, you know, it was kind of the thing, "Well, he's just looking at schools for the kids." To me, it definitely looks like he is trying to be like, okay, maybe it is time I focus on my family. So I don't see him accepting coming back unless it's a, a scenario like that where maybe it is the Dolphins that need him.
1: And I wonder if he's looked around and said, I can't beat these Young guys at this game anymore. Yeah. Uh, once upon a time, yes, young whippersnappers, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. They're all half his age, but it's not the age thing. It's more just the uh, evolution of that mm-hmm. quarterback position and what it takes to win in the NFL now. And and he's obviously not a mobile quarterback at all. And so I saw that he had said some glowing things about Patrick Mahomes uh, after the Bucks beat the Chiefs few years ago and then this most recent time when actually the Chiefs beat the Jaguars, which is unfortunate, but he loved how Patrick Mahomes fought through the ankle injury and, and I just wonder if he's like that that I is who's that. gonna win. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. That's who's gonna win the next few Super Bowls and that puts me in a better position to be able to relax at home and, and his yards per attempt had gone down a lot this past mm-hmm. season. So I wonder if he's just realizing, look, this is not the future that i want to have yeah this may affect my legacy as far as having a bad year if it, mm-hmm. it wasn't last year but certainly the team around him wasn't that good and and
3: yeah it, it's i also think it's, it's gonna be nice to just have a year uh, off yeah, yeah. Right. take a little break it, it's definitely harder to tarnish a seven super bowl career compared yeah. to a one super bowl career um but yeah i i think that he's like man i'm tired i just want a year to do nothing and that's why obviously if he wanted to, he could probably jump right into broadcasting, and they'd have no issue whatsoever with right. it. They'd be like, bye, Greg. Um, so Greg Olson's probably like, thank you. I get, yeah. I get another one. That's, th- that's, that's what uh, I thought, too. At Super Bowl
2: Media Day, uh, th- apparently they announced the Fox crew mm-hmm. at, uh, this morning, and everyone was quick to note that
3: Greg Olson, Olson yeah. was there,
2: and he also I like was, he was next to Rob Gronkowski. Oh. So mm. a lot of people wanted to note that real quick. <laughs>
1: All right. When it comes to Sean Payton, he's now in Denver, and
3: Russell Wilson needs to be
1: resuscitated. Taylor, <laughs> can it happen?
3: Man, I, I want to say I want to say yes. I had so much faith in the Broncos and Russell Wilson that I picked them to win the divi- their division last year, and that obviously went horribly wrong. Um, which is so weird. It's so weird to see the massive fall and I guess you can look at like Seattle the year before and what Russ was doing and it wasn't like majorly impressive and that's with guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf but he still had weapons in Denver their defense was good line not great but it wasn't like he was having to run for his life all of the time so it it was just really interesting to me to see what a massive fall Russell Wilson did in just a season so I I think that in this eye I guess you can hope that Sean Payton is the guy that can kind of revive him. I know he had a quote saying he took the job in spite of Russell Wilson was like the words he used, which is that's interesting to me to mm-hmm. word it that way. Because um, he's not going anywhere with the contract they gave him. No, yeah. And the amount of picks. like the, Seattle's sitting up there with the top pick right now because of that so they're like hey thanks we got Gino a better record and we have a top pick in the NFL draft this season but I don't know I I truly I don't know if Russell's done or we saw we saw a little bit of improvement towards the end of the season uh, after Nathaniel Hackett was fired so I'm hope I'm thinking maybe that's a little glimpse of it improving a little bit do I see a a massive leap do I think Denver has a chance to win the playoff uh, when they're division next year I'm not putting money on that
2: yeah um did you see the bit too about apparently at his introductory presser Mm -hmm. Sean Payton was asked about Russell Wilson's private coaches Mm -hmm. and private training staff and he was like that's not going to happen here um that only Tom Brady gets right that kind of builds upon what Tom Rock of Newsday who's at the Super Bowl media row this week um what he reported earlier today he spoke with Terry Bradshaw who I believe, as we were discussing either on this program or on XL Primetime last week, uh, Terry Bradshaw, I don't know if it's all screwed in up there anymore. He is getting up there in years. Um, but apparently, he told Tom Rock that Sean Payton, who, of course, was his co-worker for the past year at Fox, didn't want to go to Arizona because of the quarterback. He also said he didn't want to go to Denver because of the quarterback, and ultimately, he took that job in spite of Russell Wilson. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the in spite of his, his- – not great when you're about <laughs> to go into a working relationship like with that person. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: there were people who speculated that Doug Peterson took the Jag's job in spite of Trent Balky and look how that's turned out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think
1: you never know when a really smart head coach is using some is using the media to get kind of the media to then speak something to the player mm-hmm. and so could he be basically saying to Russell Wilson through the media, like, whatever that was last year and your Don't antics? Don't let that happened <laughs> Right. They're gone. And and this is a completely different situation. And I'm running a completely different ship here. You know, yeah. we'll see as far as all that's concerned. And, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say – and. and I just don't think I just like you said, I can't see them getting past the Chiefs for the here and now.
3: Yeah. And I think also because the way that you really started to see things go in Denver was it wasn't just at the end by the end of the season. It wasn't man. Russell Wilson's just not figuring it out. Teammates were screaming at his face on the sidelines like that locker room was starting divided, very divided by the end of the season. So that's going to be a big thing. It's very comparable to, hey, Doug coming in and having to mend an entire locker room and and, cl- and also fix some backtracking that Trevor had done and all of these things. So is Sean Payton going to be able to do what
2: Doug did in a season? And that's going to be a big test. And that's the other question. If he can't, mm-hmm. what? Where where do they go? I mean, this is a brand new ownership group that just took over that franchise so they can afford to swing and miss. But this is a pretty, this is your white shark, your, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, this is a pretty big swing and miss Mm -hmm. if Sean Payton can't get this thing figured out. And it would be back-to-back years of big swinging and missing if it goes from Russ to this and you have another year of bad. Right. Uh, By the way, while we were in the middle of this segment, uh, your boy, A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers, Taylor, has tweeted. So, Mitchell Schwartz, former offensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl winner, tweeted, weird the Packers aren't consulting more with the guy who needs to go on a four-day darkness retreat to figure out whether he wants to play football or not, to which Aaron Rodgers has now quote-tweeted it and said, be curious, not judgmental. We are all on our own path, and doing (laughs) things like this helped me find a greater sense of peace and love for life, love and respect to you, heart emoji. Him
1: and Jim (laughs) Ursay should really
2: start tweeting together.
1: I just don't understand you can do whatever you want in the off season. just you don't have to be so vocal about it. Just yeah. tell Pat McAfee, your boy, who I don't really like, but just tell him like i'm I'm gonna make my decision in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to say, but of course, that's no not. he has to go into it <laughs> and, and then
3: we're all sucked into this four days of isolation, crap. yeah, and that's what i, I'll I had, say. It, I just tweeted yesterday about it because well actually, I think it was this morning before the before all of this came out and I was like every time Tom Brady does something that gets attention, Aaron Rodgers has to do something to get the attention back on him. So I literally had tweeted and I was like, "Oh gosh, like Tom Brady posted this picture and now Aaron Rodgers is going to do something to get the attention back on him." And I was like, "Please don't be an underwear pick and like be more <laughs> be more inventive in it." And he posts that he's going in the darkness for 4 days. So <laughs>
1: into the
2: darkness he goes. <laughs>
1: I did see Sam Ponder said, flying with three kids and a dog. I need to know where that uh, isolation <laughs> place <laughs> is after today. Because uh, obviously heading out uh, for Super Bowl coverage. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got one segment to go. I want to get some uh, advice from Twitter on food. Taylor tweeted out asking for best Super Bowl appetizers. I want to hear what they came up with. And a whole lot more. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyler Lid on 10 to next on point five FM.
0: A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers on 1010XL.
1: All right, Taylor Dahl, give me some of the best Super Bowl game day snacks and appetizers that you received.
3: All right, so the number one people love bacon, people love buffalo cheese. sauce oh, yeah. and cheese. And dips, any kind of dips. That's what I've learned well, from Well, because there's this. no calories in a dip, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's
1: yeah. why I think Those everyone calories loves it. They're like, count. well, like, if I have an actual buffalo chicken sandwich, <laughs> that counts as
3: calories. But if I'm just dipping some chips yeah. into a dip, I'm I'm just fine. <laughs> there it is. So there was a ton of dips. Um, smoked queso dip, buffalo chicken dip, seven layer dip, chili cheese dip, jalapeno dip pepper popper dip taco dip those are all different ones that I got all of them sound delicious and things that I would eat personally I have
1: made a seven layer dip before and as we were gathering the ingredients in the grocery store Brian was like this is like the most expensive (laughs) dip that anyone could ever make and I was like right but I love it it (laughs) is so delicious
3: and that one I
1: would say at least that one's on the little bit healthier side versus like a strictly queso
3: yes um what what all do you put in that because it's like guacamole sour cream so the way bean, my mom like did beans. it was
1: she would uh ground, ground with, uh ground take ground beef and season that with like a taco seasoning and mm-hmm. that would be the bottom layer okay and then she'd do like sour cream guacamole tomatoes I'm forgetting stuff cheese obviously mm-hmm. olives okay. I think those were black the seven olives. layers yeah. yeah and so it is really good but yes it, it it can be especially nowadays with inflation it can be a little on the expensive <laughs> yeah. side especially if you're gonna you know do it enough amount if you have a big you, amount. Correct. If you're doing a nine by thirteen pan, yeah. which is what I was was doing for that. I recently made a dip that called for refried beans mm-hmm. and cream cheese, and then you can do whatever else you want. If you want to make it spicy or not, it was delicious. Ooh. It was anything with cream cheese. Let's be honest, yeah, is mm-hmm. so good.
3: Yeah, and that's why for me, especially at like a Super Bowl party or a whatever party, when I know I'm going to be like socializing, watching a game, right. drinking, like it's nice to have finger foods slash dips because yes. you're just sitting there and you can go back and forth and you're not piling your plate. But a big one obviously is chicken wings. I think every, like I had five billion where like can't go wrong with wings. I agree. I love chicken wings. I, that is a game day must for me. Um, I saw a lot of bacon wrapped things and things that I haven't, So bacon-wrapped figs and dates. I've heard of. I saw that. Those are
1: good because it's a salty sweet.
3: Yeah. And I've had dates but not figs. Um, Someone said bacon-wrapped olives, and they didn't specify black or green, but I'm thinking maybe green
1: i would think Um, green and especially if the green olives green olive is stuffed with like blue cheese
3: and that's why i'm like i would probably try that because i love olives i love stuffed olives i love bacon um but obviously bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers bacon wrapped pickles someone said i feel like i need to try that because i love those things yeah i've never heard of that by the way jalapeno poppers
1: brian makes those a lot but instead of he doesn't do bacon wrapped very often but he'll put like a Sausage like a chorizo mm-hmm. in with oh, the, in cream the cream cheese Ooh, in yeah. the jalapeno, and I like that better because the, sometimes the bacon, when it's wrapped around stuff, can get a little soggy, yeah. and I don't like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I agree because I, I'll make them and I've made bacon wrapped ones, but it's the same thing. It's sometimes like I like the crispy bacon, at least yes. having a little crisp. So you to could it, do so you, lose you that. could do bacon, bake the bacon
1: yeah. or whatever, fry the bacon, and then the crumble cream. that up and put that mm. in the cream cheese. That's right, good.
2: JJ. So that, you've been pretty quiet uh today. I know you're helping uh our, our newest producer, Anthony's on the, on hanging out on the, the over there. Anthony's on the keyboard, but J.J. was earlier in the day polling around to get ideas. Have you decided, J.J., what you will be making for the Super Bowl <laughs> he's, he's on Sunday? He's not able to help you at this He moment. isn't? Okay. He's sleeping away. Well, I'm just about, kidding. Yeah, I
3: there. So there was a ton. Of, honestly, there was like five billion recipes that I wanted. A lot of people put lumpia on here. I love oh, yeah, lumpia. Yeah, I yeah, would eat so that good. every single day if I could. And I all of those like egg rolls in yeah, general are like so that. good. Well, I
2: really liked. You had one person who replied to your tweet, Taylor, who said you need to do something for Kansas City mm-hmm. and something for Philly. So they're doing mini Philly cheesesteaks and Casey barbecue pulled pork sliders. Yes, that's a move. That was yeah, a good one. Smart. And then
3: somebody else also said meatball. Meatball sub egg rolls and Philly cheesesteak potato skins. Both of those sound delicious (laughs) to me, too. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> now meatballs in general those are always good oh, too yes. cuz those can be put in the crock the pot yeah. yeah and you can just kind of walk away yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian also will make obviously I notice i barely make anything but he also <laughs> makes like a sausage dip that's just like rotel and mm-hmm. cheese oh, yeah. and sausage I've had ones like that. Oh, delicious oh, too oh. so good <laughs> and you can hungry. do that for like breakfast <laughs> i know right everybody's probably hungry in the And we've it, got a couple
2: off eaten. the uh, text line All right by Lifetime Enclosures. this one courtesy of 0070 baked Philly cheese steak porta Oh, I love mushrooms. So,
1: stuffed mushrooms are, yeah, one of mm-hmm. my favorite things. And certainly portobellos. you can stuff even more. Usually yeah. we'll just have like the baby Bellas. Uh, had some for an appetizer last night. Those are really good. Ooh. You just have to be careful that you don't burn your mouth because oh, of yeah. all the juice inside, obviously. Yeah, I like that one. Cheese. And
2: then Aaron on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures says, bacon-wrapped Brussels sprouts with a little black pepper are extremely good, especially if you make them in the air fryer as a... Ah. As a big air fry gal, as well as a big Brussels, Brussels sprouts, sprouts gal <laughs> with say, bacon. That's, that's
3: down me a road. I'm right there with
2: you, buddy boy. <laughs> Don't you worry.
1: I am not a Brussels sprouts person, but certainly putting any vegetable in the air fryer, I mm-hmm. feel like, is game changing. And adding bacon, <laughs> and then adding <laughs> no. bacon. I've been doing asparagus, just like tossed with some olive oil and breadcrumbs and a little bit of. Uh, red hot peppers and then some parmesan cheese and put that in the air fryer mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like an asparagus fry but not mm-hmm. really but at least it like makes you think that you're eating <laughs> a, a healthy asparagus, asparagus <laughs> but yeah not just asparagus like I, you can only eat a vegetable in like the plainest way so often yeah. i did make Sunday for my parents house i did make uh what i thought i should say was i was making which is a broccoli cheese casserole oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah sounds delicious And it actually tasted fine. However, I didn't put the correct amount of ratio of soup. And like, so it was very much like I used cream of chicken soup in it, but then it was very soupy. It didn't actually like all melt together. Oh, yeah. So uh, it did not look as appetizing. It was more like
3: broccoli cheddar cheese soup. Correct.
1: Except it Mm -hmm. was an app. I mean, it was a side dish for dinner. (laughs) So it definitely was not meant to be (laughs) soup in any way, shape or form. So if you're making anything out there, make sure you follow the recipe and don't do what I did, which is like have some things, but then use the full amount of other things. All right, let's get it to a basketball update. We've talked on the station, certainly, about the River City Rumble. UNF winning both at JU Thursday night and then Saturday. Mia, what was the atmosphere like with the largest crowd since 2016?
2: Yeah, it was definitely electric. Uh, It was a tight game as well. It was a nail-biter for most of the way. Uh, UNF had to kind of claw its way back a little bit more than once in that one, but they do hold on. Um, Really just fascinating to see – the evolution of both of these programs. Obviously, J.U. and Jordan Mincy's first year last year, uh, you couldn't have asked for more. But now, how will they respond as they take their lumps? What's really curious, and I had a good conversation with UNF assistant head coach Bobby Kennan about this pregame because I did sidelines for the game on Saturday. When you look at UNF's schedule, which obviously before Saturday, they were on the outside looking in for the A-Sun conference tournament. Because 10 to 14 teams get in. Correct. Um, I think you know what Bobby said, and it's so true, is so many of their A-Sun conference games at home are in the month of February. And after Saturday's win, UNF is 8-1 and one at home this season. And so it'll be really curious to see if they're able to use this momentum um, in their favor throughout the course of the month of February. But also how Ju responds because you know after losing on Thursday to UNF that's now two home losses mm-hmm. which previously zero home losses at Swisher Gymnasium at the at, you know during the Jordan Mincy era and so it'll be really curious to see I do think part of why Ju's overall record is worse than this time last year is obviously they went out of their way to schedule some of the big dogs um, those buy games that you see UNF scheduling in the non conference and so you know it's definitely on paper Ju has the more athletic team. Those guys can jump out of a gym. The length, it's exactly what you're seeing Alabama trotting out. It's exactly what you're seeing Illinois trot – sorry, sorry, not Illinois, Tennessee trot out. And that's what's so fascinating is UNF may have been undersized, but between strong defense – and the three-point shooting, they had eight threes in the first half, Lauren. I mean, I know they're the birds of tray. Yep, They had nine total on Thursday, and they won that game in a blowout. Part of that was because JU was two of 17 from beyond the arc. And so, you know, it's going to be very curious to see if they really are finding themselves and if we could see Carter Henriksen and Jose Placer really both go off at the same time and what that would bring to the table for Matthew Driscoll's team.
1: Yeah, I think Coach Driscoll joined us last week and certainly told us that his team is different in February. And and having the home games is huge. You know, UNF Arena recently remodeled, but still holds over 4,000. And, and so it's a great place for the Ospreys to get back on track. And, and JU, I think they're going to be just fine. They've had a, a few setbacks as far as injuries this season. And, and Jordan Mincy is an awesome coach, and he relates to his players so well. So I think the trajectory of both programs is headed in a great direction. It'll just be Fun to watch down the stretch. Can they both make the tournament? And if so, can JU get hot? Can UNF get hot? I mean, 13 threes in a game that we, like you said, we know they're the birds of Trey, but that was a moniker that came about several years ago. And obviously the program's been using it, but, it, and that's the way Coach Driscoll wants to play, but that's not always what you're going to get as far as shooters go. And so, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a fun, uh, final few weeks of both seasons, and when we get to the A-Sun tournament. As far as uh, my basketball team, the Florida men's basketball team, Colin Castleton played so well Saturday night, Taylor, but uh, Florida overall just couldn't quite get it done at Rupp Arena. No real surprise. And then tomorrow night, taking on number three, Alabama. At Alabama. So wish us luck.
3: <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I mean, didn't they, they just upset number two. Tennessee. Tennessee. That's right, but at home. Yeah. So it's a
1: completely different environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Alabama is – I mean, Tennessee was coming off of a stretch where they, hadn't, they had been playing really well, so that was surprising. Alabama coming off of a stretch where it, they ended up getting completely destroyed in the SEC Big 12 challenge by Oklahoma, but now they're back on track. Mm-hmm. They've had two big wins after that. So it'll, it'll be a tough matchup for Florida tomorrow night tipping off at 9 o'clock. You can hear it right here on 92.5 FM
2: beginning at 8.30. I just always say, like, throughout the course of this season, if Florida can score, they have a chance.
1: The problem but is we don't score in the first half I was about most to say. They can score Other than Tennessee. Sooner. Right. <laughs> Literally like the first half, scoring. it's like this <laughs> drought, and it's like, oh my gosh, is Mike Waite the coach again? And right. then all well, of a sudden the second say, half happens.
2: Spider-Man meme. That's what I feel like sometimes with Todd yeah. Golden. I understand he's more analytical. I understand... He's a younger vibe, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of times I'm looking around and I'm like, this is the same exact team. You went into the portal. You got new guys. They're the same exact guys Mike White would have gotten. And I I think that, yes, maybe Tennessee was the outlier because they did get ahead early, or maybe they are turning a corner on the offensive side of the floor. Um, I do think that in that game they really tried to flow the offense through Colin Castleton, which is the way it should be because their guards have not been as consistent from beyond the arc throughout the course of this year. You know They count on these guys to come in and be three-point shooting savants, and that's just really not happening. Happening, um, and so yeah, it'll be curious to see what sort of scheme they draw up going up against Alabama. Who again, every guy on the floor for Alabama is pretty much six five or taller, and they can all jump out of a gym.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the um, lineup earlier. They've got one guard who's six one and Mark Sears. They've got a guard Jaden Bradley who's really good who's six three, and then it's Noah Clowney six ten, Charles. You do know his last name, Badico? Mm hmm. B- yep. Badiaco? Mm-hmm. He's seven feet, and then Brandon Miller uh, at six nine. Which Brandon mm-hmm. Miller might. That's all? Is his, yeah. <laughs> Brandon
2: Miller is probably putting himself in the conversation to be the first overall pick in the NBA draft, if not, you know, in the conversation with some of those foreign players. Yeah. Um, hell of a season from him. So, yeah, it'll be a big t- test. But what's very curious for me is, you know, looking at the SEC as a whole, because similar to the Big 12, it's been. Pretty dog-eat-dog for the Mm -hmm. most part, but at the same time, you know, you look at the top top ten of the AP, and you got Alabama, you got Tennessee, and in terms of the SEC, I mean, that's pretty much it when it comes to the SEC. The Big 12, you know, you have all those guys. All the big dogs are there. You got Texas. You've got uh, Kansas. You've got Iowa State. You got K-State. You got Baylor. You got TCU. They're all in the conversation and they're all beating each other up, but it's okay because then they're also on the receiving end and the giving end of mm-hmm. those wins and losses. And you know, with the SEC, I'll be very curious to see how many teams are actually able to make the tournament. Did yeah, you started
1: Mia- off with way more teams in the top twenty-five? The SEC did.
2: Did you Mia keep
3: Purdue at one after they lost to Indiana?
2: I dropped them to – I think either – what did I drop them to? I dropped them to four, um, which apparently that incurred the wrath of a lot of Kansas haters. Mm. Um, Kansas responded by beating Texas last night, um, who also was a top ten team, um, a top five team in the Mo'Brien poll. And so, yeah, uh, again, similar to Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to bet against the reigning national champs and Bill Self, even if it's a completely different roster. I have Alabama at two just because I think when they're on, they are – one of the most electric teams that you're going to watch in college basketball. I did put Houston back up at number one. I don't really see them unless, you know, they slip up again against their AAC schedule. I don't really see them losing again. Um, I do think Purdue, you know, it was a hostile environment. It's a rivalry game. Mm -hmm. You could throw that out if you want to. Purdue did remain the number one team in the AP poll um, with 38 first place votes, 22 first place votes for Houston and one for Alabama, one for Arizona, who also is a sneaky good team to watch. Listen, Purdue's going to be there but Purdue self-admitted. Like Zach Eady has gone on the record. Those guards have gone on the record and said, "We are not the most talented team. We just work really well together, and that's okay because it's yeah. a team
3: sport." Well, I and I'm I'm guess because I have so many friends and family in Indiana, but I've never seen my Twitter go so crazy over a basketball game over it did uh, the way it did over that Purdue Indiana game. Yeah, well, it was insane. that's
2: the thing is like with I mean because people almost forget that Duke UNC was Saturday too. Yeah, outside of the fact that College Game Day was there, and so it's honestly good for the sport when mm-hmm. Purdue Indiana. Is great, especially when Duke and UNC are having down years, which UNC is currently getting throttled by Wake Forest as we speak on yeah. ESPN. All
1: right, finally, before we get out of here, Mia, how would you rate the Bruce Springsteen show? Ten out of
2: ten. Uh, yes, uh, definitely. It was it lived up to all my hype and expectations. Uh, shout out to my good friend John Alba, who is a uh, Springsteen savant, who had <laughs> already been to the Tampa show. Um, so he already knew exactly which songs were coming, when and where, and he was telling me. Um, But, yeah, I mean, what's super fascinating about uh, the Springsteen concerts are, like, you can be singing along and you can be standing and jamming, but, you know, there's also moments where, you know, you do meditate on the song. You don't have to sing along. Uh, And that was, I think, a a great experience for me was – you know, wanting to... Getting to to be quiet for a little bit. Right, right. Well, that's the thing. Common misconception, common misconception about yours truly. Um, There are two places, three really, if you want to include concerts, that I am silent. Like, Mm. I don't talk. And one is art museums, and the other is the movie theater, and then three is concerts because I want to be immersed in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my compatriots I was with um, in the upper deck were, uh, you know, looking to sing and cheer and scream. And so it was a different sort of environment and a different sort of... um, viewing than I than I would have had but that's all right and then uh rallied and turned around and played the stadium course yesterday and uh that's probably also why I unraveled on hole 9 because my body was like <laughs> was all catching right kid, up at that point. you're you're 30 now it's catching up to you <laughs>
1: Well, you may be quiet at concerts. I guarantee Taylor and I, (laughs) not talking, but singing, have never been to a concert where we weren't singing.
3: Yeah, it's funny too because I had one experience, and most of my friends are the same way. Like my friends want to sing and dance and like whatever, not talk over the music. We want to enjoy the music and sing along with the artist. But I went to a concert one time, and my friend's boyfriend was with us, and he mentioned like, I don't like to sing like I want to hear the artist and I'm like I get the concept but like I paid money so I could like sing along to all of my favorite songs (laughs) that I've been listening to on Spotify I've definitely been told like (laughs) I can't hear the artist over
1: your singing I have videos where all you hear is me and I was like okay I'll tone it down just a little bit but there's a reason that I made sure to learn all the words Uh, by the way we went to a concert Friday night at the Pontevedra concert hall if people have never been there such a fantastic experience we saw a, a guy named Warren Ziders who a lot of people hadn't heard of unless you showed up at the Ponte Vedra concert hall where it was wall to wall with people mm-hmm. I think it was sold out it was awesome He's like pretty
3: popular on TikTok
1: is he okay mm-hmm. that does not surprise me yeah. uh but yeah it was a lot of fun and, and so yeah good non-football weekend uh, but we at least have one more football game this weekend with the Super Bowl everybody enjoy that don't go anywhere into the night with Rick Blue is coming up next but that is a wrap for us for Mia O'Brien for Taylor Dahl for Anthony learning tonight for JJ LaSelva I'm Lauren Brooks enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night